Hello and welcome to Bonsai Bitter Banter Podcast, Episode 5. Today's guest is a rock star of the educational world, the coolest teacher I know, and a rap enthusiast. How are you doing, MCB? Fine, thanks, James. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So before we get started, will we explain to everybody just why we're calling you MCB? Yeah, please do. <laughs> right. So just because the occupation that you have, you would like to keep your identity hidden, but you're still going to get a good conversation in that. So tell us a bit about, a bit about yourself. Okay, so... Um... I finished uni as a primary teacher, I graduated in 2013 and I've just been teaching ever since. It's not one of those jobs where it's like, oh and then I did this different job and this different job. It's obviously when you graduate, you're a teacher, so that's what you do. So uh, I can say that though, I've worked with loads of different groups of kids um, from primary one up to primary seven, mostly kind of focused with the wee ones though. Um, yeah, that's just kind of the way it's happened. I've not had that preference. I've not said I only want to work with the wee ones. It's just kind of, you know, you get put somewhere and then you kind of yeah, grow. kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and as you said, obviously, rap enthusiast. I think yeah. that's probably one of the things about me that I do find really hilarious. You know, they think that I'm some sort of, like, straight-laced primary teacher and oh you couldn't like anything swearing on it like you couldn't drink you couldn't swear all that kind of stuff and it's like actually I do like straight up gangster rap if you will <laughs> See, <laughs> that's, why like, I want, that's why I wanted to get you on because like I wanted people to have an actual idea of what teachers are like because these are just normal people at the end of the day so yeah exactly so before we get into the topics that we've got for today, um, can you name the top book on your bookshelf? Yeah, so just now, um, I'm not reading it because the I tried to buy the book and it is massive. I actually tried to buy it in the airport and then I tried to put it in my bag and it wouldn't fit, so hence why I don't have the paper copy. But on um, Audible, I'm listening to Michelle Obama becoming. Right. And... I just, I just find her really interesting, you know, I think that obviously, although she was never a politician herself, um, she still took that role as first lady, if you will, really seriously, and um, she made a big difference, and, you know, I think she came from not glamorous kind of background, and then she ended up being really successful, so I just find her a really interesting character. No, it's a, it's a, it sounds like a good book, and you're, you are right what you say about, no. It's not just the president, obviously his wife plays a massive role in it as well. But, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. when I was in, we'll get into it now, and when I was in school, um, I wasn't, I didn't really pay much attention. I dropped out as soon as I was allowed to go. And I remember a teacher coming up to me in fourth year of high school and sort of mm-hmm. saying to me, uh, I, I hope you're leaving in fourth year. And I replied to them, oh, I would, but with the way my date of birth is that I had to stay on to halfway through uh, fifth year so oh. I wasn't something that was really for education like, mm-hmm. but now that I'm older I can sort of understand why it's important and stuff but yeah at school I was just an absolute nightmare so I just want to ask like, what type of person becomes a teacher? So I think like the story you've just told about um, basically being turned off school and wanting to leave 
ASAP. That's quite common, I think, um, with people our age. And, you know, I didn't love school either. And I genuinely think that it's because a lot of the teachers who taught us didn't want to be there. They didn't like children, yeah. <laughs> for a better phrase. Well, for whatever reason, they ended up in this job and they just weren't really that inspiring. Obviously, not naming anyone in particular, and there's amazing, there always were amazing teachers there. Um, I think that's definitely part of it. And then, as a youngster, sound dead old, but as somebody who's young, like you don't see the consequences of whatever you're doing, you don't see how learning this, that and the other is going to be really valuable to you in loads of different ways as an adult. So um, to be a teacher, I think you really just need to be a normal person. Like we were saying earlier, I think there's, and I certainly thought this when I was getting into teaching, that you had to be this stern, you know, like stone-faced, just figure with no personality, that kind of thing. But actually that doesn't work for children. They want you to be a normal person and they kind of they spend so much time with you that they need to be invested in you as a person so I think you need to actually be interested and be kind of honest with your personality if you know what I mean you're not putting on an act um, and you know also I think you need to be understanding and compassionate there's children and young people who we teach who obviously come from really challenging situations at home or they have some sort of new barrier to their learning. And if you're someone who has compassion for them and understands what they're going through and tries to you know, support them, then that's undoubtedly going to give you a better relationship and it makes you better at your job. It's not just about standing up in front of people and talking like teaching them how to add or whatever it is that you do it's about you as a person and as a teacher you need to develop the whole person you know especially yeah. I'm a primary teacher so you're getting them when they're really young and it's a huge part of your job is to give them sort of life skills and things like that so you need to I think be aware and understand the importance of your job and all the different parts of it um, excuse me, just turn over my notes because I'm an old fool. <laughs> Typical teacher. Um, <laughs> I also think that you need to be willing to learn. Um, I think it's a common misconception that as an adult, you know, oh, that's it, I've kind of done with my education or whatever. When actually, when I came out of uni and I started teaching, I realised that I knew nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I get that, I can relate to that. Yeah, it's like, oh, you've studied this, that, and the next thing, but you've not actually put it into practice. And I've heard you saying that on your previous podcasts um, as a personal trainer. Like, you get the piece of paper from college or uni or whatever, and then you think, right, I'm ready for it. And then it's like, first day you go in and something happens, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Actually, I don't know how to deal with that. So I think it is just about being willing to learn and actually willing to accept that you're not perfect and you don't know everything that you need to know. Um, yeah, I think you, you really hurt the nail on the head there, see when you're saying about teachers that don't actually like kids. And see, looking back, you being like <laughs> an adult now, which is still weird, weird to say, but they, they don't yeah. and they, they don't want to like, teach people. Like, they just want to get a paycheck, go home, 
and that's it. And you see that in like, um, see like coaching as well. Like people think, oh, yeah. there's big money to be made in that until they actually realise, oh, wait a minute, I actually need to go and no have a passion for this and dedicate some time to it. So I, I think, yeah. as I said, I think you did really hit the nail in the head. And as it's people, people don't like kids and just want a paycheck, like kind of thing. Yeah, I do think. Like, I don't personally know anyone now who's like that because I think it's the type of job and your job will be the same. Those people get found out quick yeah. because they have misconceptions about what the job's going to be like and, oh, it's 93 or whatever it is and you, you've got such long holidays. And, yeah, that is true. The holidays are amazing and I would never, you know, I never kind of dismiss anyone who says that. It is brilliant. But there's more to the job than you realise when you first go into it and it's harder than you think. So to do it like any job, I think you need to actually be engaged and motivated and actually like what you're doing, enjoy what you're doing every day. Yeah, I think a lot of people, the grass is always greener. Springs to mind when you see somebody else's job and it's like, oh, their job must be great. I think all jobs are going to have their downfalls and all jobs are going to have their good bits, but... You really need to find what's suited to you rather than oh, chasing money and chasing yeah. somebody else. Because somebody could perceive that they love it and it's great and it's this and it's that. But at the end of the day, you don't actually know if they're telling the truth. So, yeah. Exactly. So, and like you say, everyone's experience is different. I might do your job for a day and think, oh my God, this is my worst nightmare. Like it doesn't suit me or whatever. So it definitely is. There's a certain type of person. Well, there's lots of different types of people who could do the job, but there's certain qualities, obviously, that you need to have. And if you don't have them, then... Yeah, I think lighting kids is probably a, a main one. <laughs> I think so. That's quite important, yeah. <laughs> so did you always want to become a teacher? Uh, yes and no. I've always, since I can remember, you know how you go over to your wee pals at night or at the weekend and you're like, right, what can we play? And it's all this, yeah. like, play stuff and you're schools I always wanted to do that so to me I obviously had that in the back of my head somewhere that I really wanted this kind of job however uh, I had another couple of dream jobs actually in between times so a weird one was a firefighter right I can imagine you just climbing up the ladders throwing well, somebody your sugar. A, <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say that obviously you know me I'm not exactly built to be a firefighter, not strong, not big, like I don't like heights, I'm not brave, so I don't really know where that came from, but thankfully it didn't last very long. And I also wanted to work at the checkouts. Yeah, for a wee while and actually I really liked it. So if I wasn't doing this I, I wouldn't mind going back to the checkouts. I don't think. I, quite well, I, think I think you made the right choice. I think. I think. <laughs> but I, I definitely think you made the right choice rather than going with a fireman or no working in the checkouts. So you're doing the world more yeah. good this way as well. Well, shaping young minds. Well, thanks for that. But yeah, <laughs> I definitely. I do think personally, I made the right decision. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. So was are there a definitive moment where you kind of realised and decided, right, this is it, I want to do um, I always kind of geared myself towards that. I think when I started high school, and you know how you get to choose your subjects, 
uh, I kind of thought, right, well, I want to be a teacher. And the good thing was that obviously that doesn't limit you to choosing, you know, certain subjects. You want to have a broad range of subjects. So um, I kind of chose, you know, a mixture of sciences and languages with that in mind. Um, but I do remember at the start of fifth year when, what age was that? 15, right? Because my birthday's in January, so you would have been 15 at the time. Yeah. And I thought, right, I'm doing it. I'm doing it this year. I'm going to get my results and I'm going to leave school and because I'm ready for it. I'm 15, like, I'm so grown up. I'm ready to be a teacher. And so the more the year went on, I stuck with that plan and loads of people were trying to say to me, are you sure? You know, you're still quite young. Do you want to have another year at school, another year's life experience. And I just ploughed on. And that obviously shows how immature I was because I thought, oh, I'm so I'm so mature. Like I'm 15, I know everything I need to know. All I need to do is get these exam results and then I'll go into uni and it'll all be brilliant. Which it wasn't <laughs> because and I'm only realising that in hindsight a few years later because you just think God, I was a lot less mature and a lot less ready for the real world than I thought I was. So, yes, I think I have always wanted to do the job and to my detriment sometimes, you know, I was determined to do it. Yeah, um, yeah but no regrets uh, now, I suppose. Uh, thanks. Just... Sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, I was just going to say, like, although I probably wouldn't recommend doing that now, it's one of those experiences where when you go through, you know, like a tough time and you find things more difficult, it's obviously a learning curve and that's, it kind of makes you who you are. So yeah, I think you, people make a lot of mistakes in this life and think they know something. And I think see, as long as you keep going and you sort of, because like, I had no idea you leave in school. I went and cut grass for a bit. I was a waiter for a bit. I worked in a factory and then fell into support work and like, I, 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 I'm glad that I never made the decision was, you know, from leaving school or oh, I'm going to do this because now I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now and like, I love my job like, and I just fell into it. Like, between when I was applying for college, I got to, I was in support work for about five years and it was a great job, but it just the uh, manager systems and all that, I didn't like it and the having to do like sleepovers and stuff, it wasn't really suited to the life that I wanted to live. So I went and applied for college and it was, a camera man course that I was going to do, a mm -hmm. chef course, or a fitness course. And I was like, I didn't even care about the fitness one. I was like, I'm going to go and be a cameraman. Well, this will be great. And then the more I started thinking about the fitness one, I was like, oh, that'd be quite good, actually. I can help people. It's kind of the same thing I'm doing now, but I'll be my own boss, can you know, pick my hours. And I just fell into it. So I think that the big thing is whether you had a plan like you and see even if you are cocky about it when you're younger go for it like as long as you've got the sort of talk and the actions to you know follow it up then go for yeah. it or if you yeah. make mistakes and you get to a point in your life where you're like i don't want to do this anymore then change it no and that is the big thing you can always change stuff and learn new skills and i think people underestimate themselves a lot of the time where oh yeah definitely they think, and i think sorry um, I was just going to say that when I was at uni, there were people 
who were, you know, in their 30s and their 40s, who've, they've got families, they've got kids, and they've decided to go back and do something else. And I know them now, and they're obviously chuffed with their career choice. And you're totally right. Some people do find it at different times of their life. And I think you do just need to go for it. And at the, at the same time, if something's not right, you need to change it because, you know, living your life happily should be your main priority. And your work, unfortunately, can have an impact on that, positive or negative. Yeah, totally. It is. It's like people just find themselves in a rut a lot of the time. Even like some of my older clients, you talk to them and I've, you know, They've said maybe they don't like this and they don't like that, or no past clients I've had and they've said that, and I'm like, well, change it then. Like you're in here now in the gym, or you're doing a check-in and you're changing your body. That your brain's the exact same. Like you need to change how you think a lot of the time, and it's just digging your heels in sometimes and going, no, I'm going to get this. And if you dig your heels in enough, and obviously you're going to put in hard work, and there might be times where you might not have as much money. And like for being like a business owner, there is days where you're like, I wish I never started this, but like. It's just a bad day and you're going to get bad days with everything you do, whether you're in your dream job or whether you're in a, a job you hate. But the fact is, when you have a good day in your um, dream job, it's going to be a really great day. When you have a good day in a job that you're not really too keen on, it's just going to be an average day. You know? Yeah, definitely. So, obviously some of the rules have been lifted on Thursday there for lockdown and stuff like that, but I'd imagine... Yeah like the teaching side of it would pretty much stay the same now, is that right? Yeah, so most children will be coming back to school in August. Right. So uh, for the majority, they'll still be doing the kind of online education until then. Um, there are going to be more places available to, you know, um, the children who are coming from nursery into primary one. They're going to be having like wee visits um, and the same for children going from primary seven to secondary school, um, just to give them that wee bit of transition, which I, I think that's, it's good that they're doing that, and it's actually such a shame that yeah. imagine your experience of like, oh, this is the end of my P7, and then it's just like, oh, school just stopped. Yeah, I don't know if you listened to um, the podcast I done last week, and it was, it was with a psychologist, I think I've got that right. I kept getting the two of them mixed up. Um, yeah. But she was saying like, how, if you think about like, the age group you're talking about, when we were that age, it was like, ah, go and play, and you're socialising mm-hmm. with people, and how this is going to impact, like, the, maybe the rest of their life, hopefully not, but it could, you know, with this uh, anxiety with big crowds and stuff like that, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting. Hopefully nothing major happens, but it is definitely going to impact the way you think about um, things if you're exposed to that from a young age. Yeah, 100%. So hopefully them getting a wee bit more of that experience will kind of help to reduce those effects. And obviously the good thing is that kids are so resilient. They just get on with things and you think, oh, you know, children are really fragile. And in some ways they are, but they, there's children out there who've overcome more things in their life than I ever have as an adult, do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, they'll kind of get over it. But um, when they go back to school, it's going to be completely different as well. They're talking about only having half of a class in at a time because you'll need to kind of um, maintain social distancing and things like that. So there's a lot of uncertainty 
for us as adults, never mind how the kids are feeling. Yeah, you'll be doing like you'll be like a teacher, but you'll also be like a bouncer at a gig doing crowd crowd <laughs> control. <laughs> yeah, we've reached our max capacity. Good. It. No, <laughs> come back in the afternoon. <laughs> Step back. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, how has teaching been? Because I can imagine, like, what age group is it you teach? P four at the moment, so they are eight slash nine. So, yeah. obviously, you've been doing the online stuff. Is it does that consist of like webcam um, classes or how's so, like, how's teaching been? I think that in different places, and I don't know necessarily in Scotland, but I think in different places there are kind of um, online lessons through webcam and stuff like that. Um, we've not been allowed to do that just for kind of, you know, data protection and child protection reasons, yeah. which I understand. Um, so what really the format is, is I just post things for them to do and try and post, you know, YouTube videos and games and stuff like that that can help them to um, consolidate their understanding of different things. So you've got some children who are doing, you know, so much written work every day and then you have other children who are obviously not engaging in that way and you can totally understand that. It's a completely different system that was basically put in place with less than a week's notice. I think it was, was it the Tuesday, this Nicola Sturgeon announced that the schools were closing and then we were closed on Friday. So it's a total massive learning curve. I think this is the biggest learning curve I've ever had um, professionally. So it's we're doing the best that we can and obviously it doesn't replace one-to-one, you know, face-to-face school, but what can you do? It's a pandemic. I think it is, in all sort of industries and all lines of work, I think it is amazing how quickly people, as you said, it was like, when you get told nobody's to leave the house and everybody just went, well, obviously, some people know. I've just went right. What am I going to do here? And see the actual like, um, spirit of people. It's been inspiring. Where they're just like, no, I'm not going to give up. Just need to think of a sort of workaround, and it does show you because you can get complacent in life. And like, I think this is a big shake-up that everybody. Obviously, it's terrible what's happening with the actual virus and stuff. But I think in some people's life, this big shake-up's done them the world a good. Oh, hundred percent. I think it's shown that you can be more resilient than you think and both in terms of like businesses or big organizations you know obviously i work for the council who don't necessarily have x you know the most up-to-date technology or whatever but when you're faced with a situation where you have to do it you have to do it and it's been done and i actually do think that it's taught me skills that i probably would have said in the absence of this situation, I probably would have said, oh, I'll learn that at some other time. I don't really need to learn that or I don't have time to learn that. So I definitely think in some ways it has benefited, you know, um, organisations and individual people. Um, yeah. Not from the fact that it's obviously a horrendous situation mm-hmm. and you never wish that situation on any, you know, society. But it's kind of like you've made the best of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like me personally, like I, I was one of the ones that was like, oh, put off going online, put off going online, no like online coaching. And now mm-hmm. that I'm doing it, I'm loving it, and I'm also getting better results for my clients. So it's like it's like mad to think 
how much stuff have I been putting off in my life that you no know, where I'd be right now if I hadn't put that off and just went for it. So it is, it's, yeah. it's really good and it's good the way everybody's banded together and the sort of community aspect of it and everybody's in the same boat and the as you know we were talking about the shake up could have been good for some people. So if you can survive and you can you know thrive in this kind of environment then when sort of stuff eases off and the viruses there's a vaccine stuff, you're gonna do great. So it's just keeping that in mind. Do you think yeah. that from this it will change teaching in a sense over um, a long haul? Yes, I think certainly in the immediate future we've already been told um, you know, scrap focusing on a million things at once and juggling ten balls at once, if you will, we're wanting to focus on keeping the numeracy skills, literacy skills, but a huge focus on health and wellbeing, mental health really. Right. I think that's something that's easy to forget as adults, you don't think of children as having mental health difficulties. You wouldn't necessarily think that children experience anxiety or low mood or whatever. Whereas now I think it's been brought to people's attention because there has been such a crazy whirlwind experience that actually events that happen do have a huge impact on children, probably much, much more than you realise. Because if we think about it, you know, there's been times during this situation that I've felt really anxious and you feel down yeah. because things are different and it's frustrating that you can't do the things that you normally do and children take the lead from you. So if you're a parent or whatever and you're feeling like that, you know, children do pick up on that. And I'm not saying that you can't feel like that. Obviously, everyone does. But I think it is just, it's, kind of brought it more so in the front of my mind even though I knew this already but it's just kind of brought a renewed focus that actually the most important thing is that the children are healthy and happy. Do you think it's maybe because kids aren't as good or children aren't as good as um, expressing themselves so they might have their emotions and the sort of feelings but they don't know how to articulate how they feel? Yeah. 100%. I think that that's one of the things that I've tried to do more so now is use the vocabulary in front of children, you know, say the word anxious, say the word anxiety, yeah. because then it's not this big cloud of like mystery that they don't understand. You know, it would be one of those ones where they, you hear this word and maybe they hear their parents talking or whatever and talking about feeling an anxious or anxiety and because they will know what that is they can understand it a bit more and understand that it's totally normal especially in situations like this I think you're right it's funny sometimes actually that you you ask maybe you're reading a story or something to me once and you ask oh you know how do you think this character feels about that and the two things that most children will say is sad or happy. Whereas that's not obviously the full spectrum of emotions. Yeah. So you're definitely right. The the lack of vocabulary and the lack of understanding of how to express their emotions definitely impacts upon that. But hopefully nowadays with a more um, focused emphasis on mental health, hopefully that will make a difference. No, I think that is 
uh, no, a really good idea. I never even I never even crossed my mind to sort of know that that would be your answer for that sort of question kind of thing. But it makes perfect sense. Um, so see what you're saying about like focusing on like English and maths and uh, obviously the yeah. mental health stuff. Do you think it's kind of put it into perspective about like, the curriculum for education? Because I remember like I was in French in school and I was in the French class that obviously I was, this was in high school, but it's the same kind of thing. Um, I was in the French class that literally you get told, look, you can go, we know you're not going to do French, but just don't disrupt the class and just sit there. So we all just sat there. Like, and I remember in my like, test I, in high school, I wrote, bonjour, je m'appelle, James, full stop, I'm done, miss, and, or sir, I remember, and they're like, ah, are you sure? And I'm like, yes. And it, do you think it is like, a, it's going to sort of make people focus more on the, not even the important stuff, because obviously all of it is important and relevant, depending upon who you are, but like, maybe not putting so much emphasis on these things that people might not use, like learn the basics first and then. Yeah, yeah, potentially, I think, I mean, obviously, through the curriculum, we have to teach X, Y, and Z, we have to teach a breadth of things, but you're right in saying that the government actually identify literacy, numeracy, and health and wellbeing as the key principles, and I think that there's no way that we can continue like everything's normal when there's a pandemic going on. So I do think that, you know, obviously we'll continue to provide different experiences, but if children aren't managing to make some big art project out of clay or a big paper mache thing, then that's not necessarily going to be the priority. And obviously uh, that's come into my head because I'm not an arty person. So that's the first thing that would go. Uh, if that was me and I'm trying yeah. to do all this work, I'd be like, oh, maybe just leave the artwork, which obviously, as we've said, it is still important. But I do think this whole situation, even out with professional life, has made everyone think, right, actually, life could be a lot simpler. I don't need to be spinning 10 plates at once. Let's just focus on what actually needs to be done, what's the most important thing at this time. So I think you're right. I think it will definitely have a lasting impact. What that will look like, you don't necessarily know, yeah. but it's definitely going to change things. As well, what you're saying is, no, well, like the learning the mental health stuff. If you think about it, like uh, if a child's doing like a, a big art project um, and they're getting really stressed about it and anxious, like, no, Mm -hmm. it, it all kind of falls into place a wee bit like why we're we getting you no know, eight-year-olds stressed out about an art project when they don't like you know what i mean like arts yeah it's, it's how you perceive it so like the fact that you're in school and the teacher's like nope that's not good enough away you go and you mm -hmm. know that to me that's that's good enough so it, it does it's, it's interesting and i think we're mixing the mental health into it at least they'll be able to articulate themselves to go no this is stressing me out this project like no and it's not even in a good way because i don't want to do it and stuff so I think that, that was like maybe a good wee addition to do with the mental health thing. That's I think that's a really good idea. Look. Yeah, and I think 100% now, knowing what I know and teaching what I try and teach in terms of mental health, that was missing for us, I think, when we were at school. I was a really, you know, I was a really, really anxious child. And I'm still naturally quite an anxious adult, which you deal with because you have the strategies at this age. However, I remember crying over tiny wee things 
at school, like I vividly remember being in P7, so I'm not even a wee child, being in P7, opening a maths jotter, my maths homework jotter that I just got back and I had every single question wrong and I actually cried so much and it's like, I'm primary, this is primary seven, I should not be crying about this. Yeah. So I think that it's definitely more important than people might give it credit for initially. No, totally. Looking back to um, my school days, I was like, so self-conscious, I had no confidence. Like, I was, I was just sweat all the time because I was so, so no, it's like, and you don't, yeah. there was nobody ever said, I never had a conversation that, that I can remember as being younger. It was just like, oh, this is just what it's like, not being a kid. And you don't really, nobody talks about it. So I think it's a massive addition to the curriculum that will make a massive impact for like, the positive in people's lives. So yeah. What advice would you give any parents that are maybe struggling to teach their kids at home or their kids are driving them absolutely mental at home? Like, what advice would you give the parents? Yeah, so first of all, just I take my hat off to anyone who's dealing with a situation with kids in the house. I don't know how they do it. Um, it's a struggle enough for me and I don't need to worry about anyone else. So I would just say don't worry about being their teacher and making them sit down from nine to three and do X, Y, and Z. That's not your job. And it's a pandemic. You don't need to add to your stress by trying to pick up this new career of teaching <laughs> yeah, so many right. new things. Like it's not, that's not what you should be doing. And I understand, I think I would probably be that way where I'd be thinking, oh, I don't want my child to fall behind and stuff like that. But the priority is your health, all of you. So I would just say, don't try and be the teacher. Do things that you need to do. Like see if your child needs, or you need a day away from the computer doing school stuff. Fine, just do that. At the end of the day, your child is going to remember this experience, probably this whole lockdown situation, because it's something that most people could never dream for now so they're not going to remember oh remember that time mum sat with me and did three textbook pages a day do you know what I mean so I would just try and do things that you enjoy that your children enjoy because there's life skills and things that you might not necessarily realize if they're cooking with you or baking with you they're learning things if they're just talking to you if you're expressing yourself if you're asking them how they're feeling like we've said that's so important so I would say if you can and if your child is willing to do it and they're able to do it and you're able to do it yourself then go ahead do whatever work stuff you can but don't be putting massive pressure on yourself that's our job when we when the kids come back in August we'll just deal with whatever we need to deal with We'll pick things up from where we left off and it'll be fine. Yeah, so take it more of a standpoint. You're trying to teach them something, but try and build the relationship rather than... Because I imagine how awkward the dinner would have been if you see you're saying about your maths book and then you got yeah. all the questions wrong and then you started crying. Imagine that was your mum, Martin. That would be a really awkward dinner that night. No. <laughs> exactly. 
And I've like I've had messages from parents saying so and so is finding this quite difficult, and I just I feel so sorry for them because you know that before that parents messaged you, they have tried and tried and tried, and it's just not happening that day for whatever reason. And like we do in school, like I'm trained to do this job, and I still have days where I'm like, oh, they didn't really get that, or that was much harder than I thought. So I would just say, don't try and be something that you're not. Be their parent, be there for them. Do something that you enjoy, do something that they enjoy. Don't put pressure on yourself. Yeah, that's good advice. So build a relationship, do what you can. Yeah. So this might be a bit controversial, this one, but do you ever get like, sort of, how's the parent-teacher relationship? Like, do you ever get like, no kids just are a bit of a nightmare and then you're expressing that to the parents and they're like no, no my kid no, don't know what you're talking about no has that mm-hmm. ever came up you're getting into the juicy gossip yeah now. That's, this is a real <laughs> talk now <laughs> i know um so yes and no i've always been lucky like i've always managed to get on really well with the parents from my classes now obviously they're are one or two people in life that you don't necessarily deal with. So it's not always the easiest. And like you say, some conversations are very awkward because you're telling them something that they've not heard before or they are not aware of, um, which is totally understandable. It's a completely different environment being in school and being at home. So they're not going to be aware of the same things as you. But... I think that the biggest thing to remember is that hopefully you're both signed from the same hymn sheet. You're both looking after the interests of that child. And I think, thankfully, I've always been able to build relationships with parents. Um, And it comes back to what we were saying before about just being a normal person. You know, I've always kind of had this, sounds cheesy, but, you know, like an open door policy sort of thing. Because you would rather that they come to you and nip something in the bud straight away. And you could just say, well, actually, here's an easy solution for you. And then that would be that. Um, Rather than building this sort of rage and resentment that can sometimes happen. So uh, at the end of the day... I'd imagine that see obviously the passion you've got for the job and stuff that would come across to the parents so they'd probably take you a lot more serious other than yeah. on the other hand like if someday you could tell they just were there for the paycheck didn't they care you'd, then you'd maybe get your back up a bit and be like is it your fault no as a teacher or yeah no so yeah that makes yeah. sense so you've been obviously because you're good at your job you're passionate about it you've never exactly that was a bit of a letdown I was hoping there was going to be some like goss and sort of Terrible things come out of that. <laughs> I mean, you definitely do have to have awkward conversations with parents, and then you do have. I have had some parents questioning me before, um, asking, you know, eh, have you ever taught this stage before? Like, what age are you? Is in? Oh. You actually know what you're doing, and I'm yeah. like, you know, you're kind of responding at that point through gritted teeth because you're yeah. like, you're just totally dissing me. When you know nothing about me. Yeah. The reason why you remember those experiences is because they're so few and far between. Um, and I do think it's important. Like I don't have children, but 
I know that if I did have a child, I would want the person, like you said, the person who's looking after them for a lot of the day, you want to know that they actually do care about what they're doing. So thankfully, I think I always managed to get that across. And yeah. Well, it's proven by the, you've never had any major sort of issues with parents and stuff. So obviously you're doing a good job and just keep doing what you're doing. It's working. So, Thanks. Well, I mean, you always get sass, but that's that, just like... You get that in most places, but don't you? Especially, you see if you're working in the checkout, you probably get sass, so, but... 100%. So, do you ever feel a bit of pressure or, like, because basically you're shaping and growing young minds into the next potential world leaders or, no, you never know where people are going to go, so do you ever feel a bit of pressure of that or think about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the easiest way to get around that is just trying not think about it <laughs> in those terms but see when you know those nights when you're lying awake and you're thinking about life in this very broad and meaningful sense and you're thinking like oh if I do this wrong then this catastrophe is going to happen so I think when you think about it that way it seems very overwhelming and that kind of makes you think oh I need to be 100% all the time and I can never have an off day or an off minute, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I do understand the importance of the job and that's why as a teacher you get into the job because you know that you think about teachers, hopefully everyone has at least one teacher who throughout their school career made a positive impact on them. Even people who maybe didn't like school as much, I'm sure hopefully anyway, there's one or two people who, you know what, they were actually decent because they treated me like this or they taught me this or whatever. So as long as you value your importance and um, just try your best, I think. <laughs> I remember, like you're saying, that, that it is true, there is always one sort of teacher or like, no, a handful. I remember there was this yeah. teacher we had and he was from Dundee, big bald guy. Um, I can't remember his name, Mr. Watson, I think his name might have been or something like that, but it was just, it taught maths and I was nearly an eight in school, but I would always listen at his classes and it's cause he made it fun. We were doing distance one time and like, we were sitting in a classroom, he's trying to explain it, he went, right, everybody up. And everybody stood up and they went, right, come on, let's go. And he, he took us outside and then he's like, for there to there, that's say a hundred meters. So we walked up the hundred meters and then he turned around and went the last one back to class, I brought an egg. No, and he just started sprinting this big ball dundonian and it was like I always it took his rock climbing and surfing and stuff like that. It was like it was one of the guys that really loved you could tell he loved what he'd done and they do impact you to sort of go, I some of them might aren't great, but if mm -hmm. I think that if you're not getting kids or children or teenagers to listen in your class, then it might they might need to take a look at yourself and sort of are you making the classes as enjoyable as you can? Are you just going through exactly. curriculum and not having any passion with it? So it is, it's, it's a big point. But yeah. I remember when like, I first met you, like, and I, I was sort of, you were saying you were oh, a teacher no. and stuff. You were saying you were a teacher and stuff, and I was like, and it was like this epiphany, in my, like a big sort of bombing off my head, and I was like, this is weird. I'm, I'm like an adult now because I'm sitting having a drink with a teacher. But then me and you were sitting talking about rap and then it just really no took off this veil for like when I was younger and thinking, so that meant other teachers when I was in school, they never just spent all day in school. No, they actually went out and they would socialise and 
It is mad. Yeah. And why do you think it is that sort of weird thing where people don't see teachers as normal people? Yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. Like, I've definitely had loads of experiences like that. Um, you get kids who see you out at the shops or whatever, and they can't stop staring at you because they're like, you shouldn't be here. Right. You live in school, like, your whole life revolves around school. And that, I think that it's probably, you know, to do with, uh, as a child or a young person, you don't necessarily have as much awareness of other people and you think that everyone who lives near you must have the exact same life as you and a person who works at the checkout that's what they do and a person who you know like a lollipop man he just stands there all day every day that kind of thing you just see what you see and you can't really um understand that people have lives beyond that so i think that is what it is but Sometimes I think that it's quite good for children to see that you have other things in your life and that you like them than a normal person. Like this week, my sister got a wee puppy, a wee German Shepherd puppy, and it's the cutest wee thing ever. But I think that because we're teaching online, it's easy to lose that chat because you're not chatting away to them. So I've decided anytime she sends me a picture, I'm going to put it up for the kids to see. And I literally had messages back from parents being like, oh, thank you so much for showing that. Um, like it's made, it made us smile and whatever. And it's like, you can't, you can't pretend that everyone's just one thing. Like yeah. everyone has so many of, different parts of, of their life. A bit of transparency, no. And again, you build a bit of relationships with the you know, students or when, yeah. if you do that kind of thing. When you're saying there about like, seeing, I always think of Inbetweeners where they you know the TV show when they see yeah. like, the head teacher guy and he's not in school and the way they act and that's how everybody reacts when they see a teacher. Like, even like, uh -huh. when I was uh, like, 18 when I'd left school, if I seen a teacher, I'd be like, oh my God, look. Like, what are they doing? It's just so funny, and I think people need to remember that that teachers are normal people. No, and no. I, I think it is, and I think your approach to teaching and the way you think about it is really great, and I think you're going to change people's you know, lives and impact them in a really good way. Well, I hope so. Yeah, but this has been great. Um, before you go, I would like to ask you your top tip to live by. Okay, so uh, I was listening to your podcast with the girl who, I can't remember her name, that's really rude, but the girl who was the psychologist and she was saying, be kind to yourself. And after, I listened to that after I wrote mine, which annoyed me because that's what mine was going to be. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think that is important, but also... Another thing that I would say, especially in this situation, it's made me realise that not every day is going to be good, but there's something good in every day. Oh. And I think people just think at the end of a day, maybe not right now because a lot of people are working from home or whatever, but if you come home from work and you're just like, oh, I didn't get half the stuff done that I want to say it done or this went wrong and that went wrong, 
it's so easy to get into a negative mindset and I totally do it as well. I, I'm quite guilty of that, finding it quite difficult to put a positive spin on things, like I'll admit that myself, but it's something that I have tried to work on because I do, I've seen it myself, how the way you talk to yourself impacts so heavily on how self-talk. about everything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, self talk's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that podcast you're talking about was with Ashley Gibson. So if anybody wants to go and check out, they can go and check out. But it is a really good one that we do cover a lot of the stuff with you know, the mental health thing that we're talking about today and that. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Self talk and even looking back for like a younger age, the way I talked to myself is totally different yeah. now. And that does make a drastic change in your life. Yeah, and I think that it's hard because being from Glasgow, it's a cultural thing that your humour is to slag yourself off. Our yeah. humour is to be self-deprecating, which there's it's fine to do that on occasion, but I always try and think, now this is quite a recent thing for me, given, like, even though I'm fully grown, <laughs> if you will, it's just come to me now, you shouldn't say something about yourself that you wouldn't say about someone else. I think that's your top tip. You've just summed it up right there. That was a great yeah. one. So obviously people can't find you, but on behalf of all the parents and all the future kids you're going to teach, I'd just like to say thank you and you're great at what you do and it's just came across in this podcast. So I would just like to say thanks for doing the podcast and thanks for everything else that you do. Thanks so much for having me. That's no bother. Fun. Right, I'll see you later. See ya. Bye.